So meeting God. Uh, this summer, my family and I, so I, I, I've got a friend uh, who was in the Air Force and, and, and was stationed in a bunch of different places in the Air Force. Uh, he was in Germany, in England, up in North Dakota, which I think is another country. He was in Italy. And he, um, when, when he retired from the Air Force, he asked his family, where was our favorite place to live? And they said, Italy. So he said, all right, well, let's move back to Italy. So they moved back to Italy, and he, be- he has become a missionary to military kids with Young Life. And so he asked me and the family to come over this summer. He, said, he called me on the phone last year. He said, what would it take to get you to come to our youth camp? And I went, just say it. Just say the words, and and we're on our way. So this summer we got to go to Italy, and the youth camp was five days, so we got there early and did a bunch of sightseeing. And uh, in the sightseeing, uh, we visited uh, Venice and Verona and Vicenza and Rome. Uh, How many of you have been to Italy before? Any of y'all been to Italy? Yeah. So I'll tell you what surprised me the most. Uh, I didn't realize that I would love this as much as I did, but he asked me before we got there, he said, you guys, would y'all be interested in going to the Vatican? And I said, yeah, I think so. I think that would be, I think I would enjoy that. Uh, Hannah, my wife Hannah, is an art teacher, and I'm a minister, and so it was like the perfect place for a minister and an art teacher to go, because you might not know this. Maybe you do. I did not. The Vatican is filled with priceless art. In fact, it might be, I asked, I asked Hannah, I said, is this the place on the planet that has the most priceless art in one centralized place? She said, it's either this or the Louvre. Like it is, it is priceless. There's no way to even understand how, like the, the, how much the art is worth. So here's what we got to do. We did two things. The first one is we, we got to go to St. Peter's Basilica, which is a giant cathedral that is on the place where St. Peter is buried. And it's unbelievably beautiful. It's unbelievably gorgeous. It's just immaculate. And I remember walking in and just getting all the feels. Have you ever been into a place that you went, this place is sacred. This is a holy place. And I remember walking in going, this is holy. And then we walked down into this tomb area. And there in this box were the remains of St. Peter. And I remember just going, that's that's where Jesus' best friend is buried, like that right there. And it just was overwhelming. Then we walked through the catacombs and saw where men, and where, where their popes for the last 500 years are buried, like right there. And it just, was, it just was such a sacred place. We walked out of the temple, and there was this giant tower that, that was the place where Peter was, was uh, crucified upside down. And it just felt all of the feels. Like I, could, like I just remember thinking, I, this is one of the holiest places I've ever been. Now, don't get me wrong. I even mentioned this a few weeks ago. There are no more holy places on earth or in the universe than, than another. But it sure did feel really holy. So then we went through uh, the museums of the Vatican. And I didn't know this. I knew that the Sistine Chapel was in Rome, but I didn't know uh, that it was in the Vatican. And so we're walking these hallways. And what's crazy is before you get to the Sistine Chapel, you walk, I think it's about a half a mile of hallways where you're just looking at art on walls, on ceiling, everywhere. And you, and you, and you get to see uh, art from uh, all of the Ninja Turtles. You get to see them from Donatello and Raphael and, and, uh, and uh, Michelangelo and uh, uh, Leonardo. You get to see all of the Ninja Turtles have artwork there, uh, Caravaggio. But it was, it was beautiful. But then we walked into the Sistine Chapel, and everything's quiet. 
and you look up. You might not know this. I, I, I just have learned this more recently, but a lot of real famous art is actually on walls or on the ceiling. And so the Sistine, this picture that you're looking at now called the creation of Adam is on the ceiling. And so you look up and you're in a room with, with a couple hundred people and you're all jammed into there, there together and no one's talking. Because everybody realizes this is, this is a pretty sacred space. And you're looking up, and it struck me just in that moment. I just was like, this is a, this is a place I, f- I feel God here. Not because only God is there, but because I was so moved by my thoughts and awareness of God. And I see this beautiful painting that, was, that supposedly took about four years and uh, I remember seeing this. This isn't a thought that is, that is mine, but I remember reading about this. But I want, you to, I want you to see one big, one important thing. And it's this. Look, how, look at God and look how he is fully stretched as far as he possibly can toward man. See that? He's, he's fully stretched. And then look at how nonchalant Adam is. And his hands like this. And it's as, as if the painter wants you to see All Adam has to do is make a move. All he's got to do is extend a finger. All he's got to do is make, God's done everything. He's come close as he can come. And he's reached as far as he can reach. And all Adam has to do is put his finger up. This morning, I want to talk about meeting God. And I'll talk about who we are called to be as Kingwood Church. And there are these moments where you walk into a room and it's hot. Or you walk into the youth room or the children's room or into soak or into a prayer room or into a small group room and it's hot and the presence is tangible and palpable and feelable and all you you know all I've got to do is just stretch out a finger and and connect myself to what's happening there's some of you in this room you walked in pretty beat up and you went oh it's hot in here and you stretched out your finger and immediately we're connected and so um I, I, I want to I talk about um, what it means to meet God and what Kingwood Church has been called to, to be and to do and how to connect in that way. There's this, uh, there's this idea in Celtic spirituality that speaks of these thin places, thin places, where the natural and the supernatural worlds come together at their narrowest I don't know if that's the reality, but it's, this, it's almost this idea that um, there are these moments in our lives where, where we connect with God and there's this thin place as if the supernatural is reaching right into the natural space. And this morning I've called them hot places, but the thin places, the places that we tangibly feel and sense and connect deeply with God. I want to give you a couple thoughts this morning, just two main thoughts this morning, and uh, I want to share a few stories, but the first one is this. I I want us to expect the expected. You might think expect the unexpected, but I want you to, I want us to be challenged to expect the expected. And what I mean by that is, as as a church, I, I I want us to create these environments, to create these spaces, and to create these moments where when somebody is with us, they're in the presence of God. But we're always in the presence of God. So it's gotta be, it's, it's where we are aware and we feel and we sense and we respond to the presence of God. 
I want to create these spaces where we know that, that God is doing something. We believe here at the church that God's presence changes lives. So anywhere that God is, he's in this speaking life business, and he's in this changing life business. And Kingwood, we have, we have, this, we have this beautiful history of creating these spaces where you and I, there, there's some of you that have been in this church for 40 plus years, and you can, you, are just, you can right now catalog in your mind and go back and think of moments that you met the living God on a carpet or at an altar or in a room or in a, or in a prayer meeting or in a space It just God was there and it was hot and it, the space was thin and there was God. John Wesley called these moments means of grace. Means of grace are these ideas that God has given us these gifts that are ways of connecting with him. So it might be a song. God has given us a song to sing to him to connect to his presence. Like we just did that, right? And, and many of you in this room, because I know it wasn't just me, many of you in this room were like, whoo, I feel that. I feel something different in here. It's a means of grace. Means of grace are things like prayer. God has given us a gift to be able to talk to him and commune with him and speak to him and him speak to us. We call that prayer. It's a means of grace. He gave us the gift of connection. And I want us to be a place that creates these environments where means of grace are happening often. I've got a friend in here, a new friend uh, named TJ, who um, I met TJ this Easter uh, on Friday night. Uh, no, Thursday night, we set up a, uh, uh, um, Stations of the Cross around the building. And for those of you that don't know what Stations of the Cross are, basically it is a journey through the final day of Jesus' life leading to the, to the crucifixion. And it is almost always done through art. So we set up 12 pieces of art all around the hallway of the church and then recorded uh, kind of a guided prayer time. And you, would, you just put on these headphones and walked around. And I, I see a handful of you, many of you did that. You just walked around. It took about an hour. And you just spent walking around and just meditating and thinking about God, a means of grace, of meditating and thinking about the last night of Jesus' um, life before he would resurrect. And... Uh, I, uh, TJ and Amanda walked in with their three little children, and I went, whew, this is, this is going to be hard. This isn't going to be evil. But I immediately sensed, these, these guys are hungry. They're just hungry to do whatever they can do to connect with God. And so they came out. I said, how was it? They were like, well, I mean, it's pretty good. I mean, I, imagine, imagine spending an hour walking around staring at a piece of art with three children all like 10 and under with headphones on. So that was good. We tried really hard. We wanted to. And so I was talking to TJ, and he said, man, can I tell you something that I really love at the church? And I, I, said, I said, what? He said, I love the, the, the music. I love the worship. I've always connected with God really deeply in worship, and I love it. He said, the problem is, is I, sometimes I just don't know the, the songs. And I said, oh, oh, TJ, I can help you with that. We actually make a YouTube playlist every single series and put every song that we're going to sing for the series is on the YouTube playlist. You can listen to it all week long and know exactly what we're going to be singing and be ready to sing. I said, in fact, we're doing some special stuff for Easter. I'm going to send you those songs tonight. And I shot him a, shot him a text message that night and said, this is what we're going to be singing for Easter. And I've listed four songs. 
And I remember leading worship, standing right here. I remember leading. And uh, I was doing this. Y'all know, I was doing this. <laughs> I, uh, apparently, I do that a lot because uh, there was a, a, a little girl who was like eight years old uh, told me this week. She, she, she's like, well, I love when you do this right here. I'm like, really? You caught that? Even, even you noticed that? So, but I was, I was right here, and I remember looking out first song, and I looked right over there at TJ, and hands were up, and he was just singing. And then we went to the second song, and hands were still up, and it, every word. I looked at the third song, hands were, and, 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 and I just was moved. I was just moved to... To, to know that we had created this space for him to connect with God. And I, I can't keep my hands up that long. Like, you, like, I, like, I'm not that strong. And they never came down. Just like, I'm going to worship God. I'm going I'm to connect with God. I'm going to reach through this thin space. And I'm going to grab the heat. And I'm going to connect with God. We, we do, we, we, I, I want us to be a place that constantly is creating these moments, not just in this room. But, man, our kids are in there right now. In the heat. I loved, man, my, my, I have four children. Addison didn't get to do this, but uh, Carson and Braden did, and then Emerson will. But I remember uh, watching them in the bayou. Right there, you can, you can walk out. I'd prefer you didn't do it right now, please, but you could walk out, and uh, there's a window right there, and, they, and the bayou's happening this morning where two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, and five-year-olds are hearing about Jesus. They're singing songs about Jesus, and they're feeling the heat. They don't have a language for it, but trust me when I tell you this. They have, they have, a, they have a better idea than some of us do. Feeling the heat in there. We do these trips. I took, we took 100 young people and leaders. We do a camp called Beach Freak at the, at, at the beach every year down in Panama City. 500 people. We hosted a camp for 500 people this year, leaders and teenagers where they went down and they had a, a, a moment to, to just be away from all of this, not, not necessarily this, but sure, this too, but away from the normal routine and to get into God's presence, disconnected from that and connected to Him. And I, I, one of the things I look forward to the most every single year is Wednesday night, we end up doing a we end up doing a service that we just call it beach night. And what that means is instead of altar call here uh, at the front, we go out to the beach. And uh, it's kind of funny this year. We, uh, I always tell our speaker, I was like, here's what we're looking for. We're looking for some type of moment that we can create this space where our leaders can pray with our young people uh, on the beach. And so this year, um, our speaker, he spoke on um, David and Bathsheba and how uh, David had blood on his hands. And then his sermon was, we all have blood on our hands. And the, this really cool idea in theory, uh, funny how that happens, really cool idea in theory was as everybody leaves the sanctuary, uh, the chapel, they're going to dip their hands in red paint and then walk to the beach and pray with their leader for, like, God, I have blood on my hands, forgive me, and then receive the grace of God and dip their red hands into the ocean and let it wash away. It's a beautiful idea, right? I thought it was brilliant. So on their way out, uh, you just have to know the way this works is you're, you're, you're in a chapel, then you walk down a street to the beach. So they dip their hands in red paint, 
And beach night also happens to be kind of photography night where everybody takes nice pictures so they're in nice clothes. So you've got these kids, 500, dip their hands in red paint, but they don't want to get any of the paint that's dripping onto their nice clean clothes. So they're walking down the street like this. <laughs> red paint dripping. And, I had, and I, had, I had told them on the way out, don't say anything. Like, this is, a, this is a somber moment. This is a sacred moment. Don't do anything. So you got 500 kids walking down the street with red paint on their hands like this. And some people came over and said, hey, are you guys a cult? And I said, yes. Yes, we are. I can see how you got there, and it is easier for me to just say yes than for me to try to explain what we were trying to do. Yes, we're a cult. Uh, but, but, I, but creating these moments and these spaces where we connect with God, can I just tell you, whether you're online or you're in this room right now, we're going to do everything that we can in this church to create environments and spaces for you to connect with God and receive these means of grace every moment that we can. It's what God's called us to do because it brings hope. You know how it brings hope? Because God's presence changes lives. God's presence changes lives. The second thing and the second point this morning is, so the first one was expect the expected. Like we expect God to do something, so let's actually expect God to do something. The second one is name the unexpected. There are these moments where the thin veil is separated and we meet God face to face. In fact, I would say you're lucky if this happens a like a, like a dozen times in your lifetime, you're lucky if you have these deeply moving, life-changing moments of your life where you give your heart to Jesus, where you're filled with the Spirit, where God heals you, where He does a miracle, where you see your prodigal son or daughter come home, these, these tangible moments. You're lucky if you get like a, like a dozen of those in your life. These moments when God comes close, like the Sistine Chapel. But for most of us, we don't live a life we're, we're enraptured by the transcendent like the Sistine Chapel all of the time. Instead, we normally live a life like another piece of art you might have seen before called Where's Waldo? <laughs> like God's hiding somewhere and we're spending every waking minute, God, are you there? Are you listening? Do you care? Or do you even care what's going on in my life? Are you doing anything? That's that's the, that's the regular part of our life. That's the, way, that's the place that most of us live. I'm going to show you where Waldo is because some of you can't get it out of your mind. But he's just right, he's just right here above this little umbrella. Like some of y'all are like, I can't, I can't. I'm just OCD and I can't find it. So there's Waldo. He's above that little red and white umbrella right there, directly above. Everybody see him? Just say you see him. Just say you see him. Just lie to yourself. All right, good. So there's Waldo. Brother Lawrence wrote, God has various ways of drawing us to him but sometimes he hides himself. This idea that God is close, but so is everything else. Seeing the hidden God in the mundane, the normal, and the everyday parts of our life, the regular parts of our life. I don't mean mundane in that it isn't important at all. I mean that it's typically unremarkable unless we reflect upon it. Or that we've experienced it or heard about experienced of it so often that it goes unnoticed. Eugene Peterson says this. Pastoral ministry. Put your thinking cap on because I want you to hear this. Because this is what I'm called to do. This is, what, this is what God has called me to do. 
and what God has called your pastors of this church to do and what God is calling you to do. Peterson says pastoral ministry is the task of helping a person take seriously what is treated dismissively by the publicity infatuated and the crisis-sated mind and then to receive this mixed, random material of life as the raw material for high holiness. The everyday stuff, the random stuff, the simple stuff, the, un- the common things. My job and our job at Kingwood Church is not primarily to have these enrapturing, swept up in his presence, laid out on the floor, miraculous experiences with the divine. And let's face it, how often does that really happen? But that's not the primary job. If you want to know what the primary job of meeting with God, if we are as pastors and if we are as a church to offer hope to our community, our primary job is not to create moments where that happens. Our primary job is to point out that it already is. That's my job. My job is to help you name it. Your job is to help someone name it. You're walking through the grocery store and all of a sudden you sense this this nudge Dorothy Day called it this notion. You just sense this notion that something is, there's, there's something thin here in this moment. And you just say, hey, couldn't help but notice that you were shopping for green beans and I was too. Would this be weird if I prayed for you? Just these, just these moments where you just see that God's in that moment. To see the tangible, the present, the mundane, the ordinary, the routine, the everyday as the raw material of God's active, present work in the world. 1 Samuel 3 says this. The boy, so Samuel has been given to the temple and to Eli, the, the, the prophet, by Hannah, his mother. And he's just a young boy and he lives in the temple. And he serves Eli. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli in those days. The word of the Lord was very rare. There were not many visions. And one night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. Normal moment, normal day, normal routine. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. And the Lord called Samuel. Listen to that. The Lord spoke to Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. What what did you say? Notice what's happening. Samuel hears the voice of the Lord and confuses it for Eli's voice and runs to Eli and says, hey, what do you need? And Eli says, "I, I I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and ran back in there to Eli and said, yes, sir, Eli, I'm here. You called me. My son, Eli, said, I, I, didn't, I didn't call you. You're hearing things. Go lay back down. Listen to these words. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Please hear this. Samuel had never heard the voice of the Lord, yet God was in his life working and doing and drawing and calling. There's not a person on this planet that the Holy Spirit isn't wooing toward Jesus not a person on the planet. There is no person that you can walk by in a store or work with in your office. There's not a person that you can be around on the planet that God is not already drawing them to you. Your job is not to do the work. Your job is to recognize the work of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit already doing? 
What's the Holy Spirit up to right now? And how can I get in on that? How can I point to that? How can I name that? How can I say, that's God? That's God right there. And Eli finally, after the third time, gets it. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. Kingwood Church is called to be Eli, to recognize the voice of the Lord in someone's life that hasn't yet heard the voice of the Lord. We're called to be, a per, we're called to be namers. When someone, has a, when someone has a question, when someone has a fault, when someone has a, 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 an, an inkling to move toward God, it's for us to say, yes, 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 that's God. That's God working in your life. It doesn't matter if they're Christians or not. The church doesn't have a monopoly on the voice of God. Please hear this. The church doesn't have a monopoly on the movement of God. God is bigger than the church. He speaks to whom he wants to. He moves in whose lives he wants to. It's the church's job not to make God move. It's the church's job to say, yes, that's God. That's God. That's our job. We don't, we don't make God do anything. You and I, we don't make God do anything. We just say, yes, that's God. Yes, yes. I've sensed that before. I've felt that before. I've known that before. I've realized that before. I've been awakened to that before. Yeah, 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 that's God. I don't want to constantly try to create and whip up these moments of supernatural transcendence where I wrongly reinforce this idea that we only meet with God when something unearthly or supernatural happens. When someone can't control their crying or their laughing or when someone is miraculously healed or when all of us feel the goosebumps or when we go off of schedule. To think that that is the only way to experience God, to truly have had a move of the Spirit, is to reduce God to a circus act. He swings into town once in a while and he puts on a show, and that's not who God is. He's at work in every life on the planet, moving and drawing and wooing, and it's your job to say, that's God. That's what God does. God, I have like three more pages of notes. I'm not, I'm not going to. Speak to me. Tell me what to cut. I want to say two things. I got to skip 37. I'm a pastor. And all that means is that God has called me to love you and to pray for you and to pray for you well. That's my job. It's on my schedule. I pray for you every day. I call many of you out by name. There's some of you in this room right now, I've been praying for you every day. Because you said, will you pray for me? I said, yeah. And when I say yes, it goes to my notes and I pray for you every day. Somebody in here right now asked me to pray for a job change. I've been praying for it for months. Somebody in here battling a medical issue right now, I've been praying for you every single day for months. There's somebody in here right now with a, with a marriage issue. I've been praying for you now for over a week, every single day. I'm not a professional Christian. That's just what my job is. It's to pray. It's to pray for you. I read about God a lot. I talk about God a lot. I, I talk to people about God a lot. I try to intentionally spend time with God a lot. But here's what I want to tell you. Most of the time, I don't feel God. Like there's no goosebumps. By the way, when our prayer team moved into that room over there, I said, I'm going to start praying in there because it's hot. So I go into that room over there 
most every morning. And I pray for you. I pray for my family. I go in there, but I want you to know, I, I, don't, like, I don't feel stuff all the time. Maybe once every two months, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed with God's goodness or grace. And for me, that means I just start crying. But that's like once every two months, maybe. Most of the time, there's nothing eventful that happens. Like I don't whip anything up and, and like there's no, like if you go in there right now, you're not gonna, you're not, you're not going to like, there's, gold dust isn't gonna fall out of the sky or anything. Like nothing, like when I come out of there, remember how Moses came off the mountain and they're like, cover his face, he's been with God. No one has ever said that to me when I came out of that room. Never once have they said, cover his face. Nobody said that. In fact, every once in a while I'll be like, what have you been doing? I can't remember the last time that something memorable in the way that I described it, like something just whipped up happened. But do I meet with God every day? Absolutely. Every single day. My job is less, I believe, about creating these big moments and events for you than it is more about helping you to see God in your life every single day. I had a, uh, had a little girl in my youth group about 15 years ago named Ellie. Nellie was, uh, she's one of those kids that showed up and her family didn't go to our church. And a lot of times what that means is, in fact, it always means she made the choice to be there. She didn't get forced to go. She showed up because she wanted to be there. And sometimes it was hard for her to connect her church life and her Jesus life with her school life and her young life. And, and she would do this all the time. She'd just go live hard and then come in and pray for forgiveness and grace and all of those things. And Ellie graduated from high school and I didn't see her for like 10 years and one day on Facebook she sent me a message and all it said was hey Pastor Jeremy I have a question and I was like hey Ellie what's up what's up shoot I think I actually said shoot shoot she said 10 years she said Is God reserving his judgment to be poured out for the last day and the final judgment, or is he doing it right now? And I went, can we talk on the phone? And she said, yes. So like a day or two later, I said, hey, I'm free. You got a minute? Yeah, she calls me. And she says, hey, uh, is God pouring out his judgment waiting to pour out his judgment to the final day or is he or is he doing it right now and I said I have no idea I don't know that answer does anybody know that answer and she goes oh I just thought you would know and I said no 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 in fact I, I say I don't know to more questions now than I ever have but can I ask you a question I haven't talked to you in 10 years what made you think to ask this question she said I don't know it's just on my mind and you're the first person I thought of I said, Ellie, what if I told you that you weren't really asking that question? Like you don't really care what the answer is, but you got a deeper question and I heard her start crying. I said, what is the question, Ellie? She said, I just miss God. Can I come back to church? 
kidding? Of course you can come back to church, Ellie. This silly question that nobody's ever going to know was, was God. God put that in your heart. He put this sense of you just missed him in your heart. And you didn't know how to exactly say it, so you asked this question. And I want you to know, we don't know that answer, but I do know what question you had. And that's, can I, can, does God still love me? Does he still care? Is he still interested? And can I tell you, Ellie, that's God. God put that in your heart. That's what we're called to be at Kingwood Church. We're called to name these moments that are God. And they show up in so many crazy ways. I had a dad tell me this morning, his son, he has to almost force him to come to youth. And all of a sudden, his son started going on his own and bringing friends. He said, I don't even know what's going on. And I said, hey, that's God. And he goes, oh yeah, that's God. That's my job. That's your job, is to name God, to point out that's God, to say that's God, to say that that right there, that's, that, that inkling, that notion, that nudge, that's God. There's some of you in this room right now that didn't, you weren't coming this morning. And somehow you're here and you're like, I don't, if I told you the story of how I got here, it's just dumb. But here I am, I'm sitting here. There's some of you on this morning watching online. You just stumbled across. In fact, today, Sunday, you might even be watching like next Friday. And you just stumbled upon this. And all I want to do is just say, hey, that might be God. It might just be God. God might have brought you into this moment so that you could hear he's close. So that you could hear that he cares about you. So that he could hear, so you could hear that he loves you deeply. So that you could hear that he's pleased with you. Like Jesus heard, this is my son, this is my daughter. This is my son, chosen and marked by my love. The pride of my life. You need to hear that this morning. I want you to know that's God. God's speaking to you this morning. There's something bubbling. There's something kind of moving. That's God too. Some of you feel nothing. That's God too. I spent years of my life. Trust me when I tell you, you might not know my story, so just trust me when I tell you, years of my life, never feeling a thing, and I just said, God, are you there? And God often would say, yes, I'm in the nothing. I'm in the coldness. I'm in the stillness. I'm in the, I'm in the nothing. I'm there. That's me too. I'm in the feel-good goosebumps, the rambunctious and rapturing moments, but I'm in the nothing. I'm in the heaven and the hell. I'm in the heights and the depths. I'm in the mountains and the valley. That's me. And this morning, you're in the heights. That's God. I don't have to just tell you. You got it today. But we don't live there forever. But there are a number of you in this room right now that are so cold. And can I tell you that God is also cold. He's not just heat. He's cool. This morning we're going to sing about Jesus for a minute and I'm going to come back out and give you an opportunity to respond. But God is here. And it's hot in this room right now. It's also cold.